Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Hear now God's word. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning, church. It is so good to be together today, and I am so thankful that you have taken the time this morning to to be with us. Even though we can't be physically together, it's so good to be able to share with one another in this time. And what a great uh, band we have today filled up the stage, but the Holy Spirit was truly in this place. And I pray that you have received that presence of God with you today as you worship with us wherever you may be. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, we thank you for being with us in this time. Lord, today, as we join together in this way that has become normal almost for us, we pray that you might speak to us. We give thanks for your holy word as it's been read. And now, as it is to be proclaimed, we pray that we might receive your word today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be transformed into the word of God that we need today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. As a little boy... I was always intrigued about the stories of John the Baptist. Now, was I intrigued by his message of baptism and repentance? No. Was I intrigued by John's fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord? No, that wasn't it. Was I interested in the fact that John was Jesus' cousin? Not really. (laughs) Was it that he was so bold as to call the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you brood of vipers? Well, I mean, calling anybody a brood of vipers is really kind of cool, especially back when you're 10 years old. But 
Nah, I don't think that was the thing that intrigued me about John either. I'm guessing that you probably already know what it is that intrigued 10-year-old me about these stories of John the Baptist. Because, honestly, 10-year-old me really isn't that much different than 49-year-old me. What always fascinated me about the stories of John the Baptist was the physical descriptions that were given to us by both Matthew and Mark. A description saying... John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and his diet was locust and wild honey. (laughs) Wearing clothing made of camel's hair and it doesn't even have to be hump day to wear it. And then eating locusts dipped in wild honey. I can assure you that John the Baptist was this Physical description of him is what drew me to him. And in fact, today, if I saw this person walking along Franklin Street, I would probably stay back a little bit, watch from the distance of a safe block or two, and I'd follow this character along just to see what kind of antics he was up to. Now, I will tell you that As Matthew and Mark describe John in such detail, I know, I understand. Yes, this description is to bring to mind the image of Elijah. And yes, these things may not have stood out as all that unusual back then. But I'm sorry, that still stands out to me today. And if I see someone today like that, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I'm curious, because if I was to see someone like that today, I'd say to myself that that person must be some kind of dreamer. I might be interested in spending some more time around them. I mean, camel's hair clothing and honey-roasted locust hair, probably all wild and crazy like mine today. Just imagine it, if you will. It probably would be somebody that I'd want to be interested in because they're not busy following the crowd wearing Abercrombie and Fitch or Patagonia. They're not so busy eating the trendy stuff like holy guacamole and hummus when he can have honey-roasted locusts. Now, this is somebody that dreams up a different future. This is somebody that's not just different for the sake of being different. This is somebody who dreams of a new reality. He's not one to follow the crowd. He's one to go out in front. And you know what? The the world seems to react differently to those who dream. Sometimes we revere those people who are visionaries and dream of a future that we cannot yet see. However, oftentimes we look upon such dreamers as simply crazy folks. Some people likely did not, did consider to be John to be a dreamer, but some probably looked up at him as insane. I mean, for over 300 years since Isaiah prophesied, they have waited for those words to be fulfilled. They have waited and waited and they have continued to feel the weight of that waiting. 
The Romans have come in and taken over completely and defeat after defeat, year after year. At some point, it makes almost everyone turn from a dreamer into a doubter. I mean, have you ever felt so defeated that you just want to give up? I know I've felt that way before in my life. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as watching a ball game and waiting for a miraculous comeback to take over, and you're dreaming of that miraculous comeback. But as the clock dwindles down, you give up that dream, and you become a doubter. Or maybe it's that you've worked so hard to achieve certain goals and you finally get to a certain point and you look and realize that you're further away from achieving the goals you had hoped to achieve than when you had first begun. Sometimes we get to that point that the dream dies. Sometimes we get to that point that the dream just goes away. When John is speaking of the idea of a Messiah coming and finally redeeming Israel, for some it had to seem like such a far-fetched idea that maybe they had already thrown it out and discarded it completely. I mean, it's kind of like in your closet. How many of you have that one pair of jeans? Oh man, you used to wear them all the time. They were great. They fit wonderful. You loved wearing them. But as time happens, those jeans no longer fit. But you keep telling yourself, one day, one day's going to come that I'm going to fit back in those jeans once again. I'm going to lose a pound here, lose a pound there, and I'm eventually going to be able to wear those jeans once again. But eventually, after year after year of looking at those jeans and hearing that dream of wearing them once again, Eventually, you realize that dream's not coming. And so you take those jeans and hand them off to goodwill. <laughs> I think in some ways, for many of those who had been clinging to that dream of a Messiah coming, clinging to the words of Isaiah, they probably had already discarded them. Because for some, preparing the way for any kind of Messiah was just like an old pair of jeans. They've already cast that idea out. And they look at John and say, that's John. He's just a dreamer. And I mean, look at him. However, I believe that there are still those who were hopeful. Those who could get past the physical descriptions of John. Who then were able to begin to see the depths of what it was that John was saying. For John was someone who dreamed of a better future and a future reality. We begin to be drawn, not just to John's words, but also to the words of Isaiah, who prophesied about him. In Isaiah chapter 40, we hear these words as Isaiah prophesies. He says, comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that she has served her term and that her penalty is paid. And that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. As Isaiah is prophesying, John is one who calls out kindly and tenderly to Jerusalem that warfare has ended. And peace, 
peace has now come. All the loss, all the suffering, all the time of being oppressed, that time is up. That time is about to be over. Isaiah writes, A voice cries out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. John is crying out in the wilderness. He is preparing the way for the Lord. He implores them all. To make smooth in the desert a highway for God, lifting up valleys, bringing low mountains, and letting rough ground become plain. Isaiah says, All people are grass. Their consistency is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. See, John draws us in because he reminds us that while life is fleeting, God is eternal. While life is fleeting, while the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God lasts forever. That's the kind of dreamer that I'm drawn to. That's the one who does not see things just as the way that they are, but the way that they could be and can be and should be. To paraphrase the words of John Lennon, you may say that he's a dreamer, but he's not the only one. John is one who dreams. And he calls out to the crowds who hear him calling them into a journey of repentance and transformation so that the way may be prepared for the Christ. Preparing the way is much more than just words that are spoken. Preparing the way becomes words that are radically lived. Making right the wrongs in the world. Lifting up the oppressed. Binding up the brokenhearted, comforting the afflicted, repenting and returning to the Lord. John, John is not only able to dream up this new future, but he's able to dream up how we get there also. This baptism of repentance. This repentance, this turning back, being washed clean. Making everything right. And when we do, then we are preparing the way. And when we prepare the way, we find that peace that we have long been seeking. Find that peace that comes with a renewal of hope. This Advent season, may we be preparing the way. May it be more than just words of repentance. But it, may it be lives that are truly bringing low the mountains, raising up the valleys. May it truly be making right the wrongs in the world. May it truly be lifting up those who are oppressed. May it truly be binding up the brokenhearted. May it truly be comforting the afflicted.
Let's prepare the way together. And let us find that peace. Let us pray. God of grace and God of mercy, you call upon us to repent. You call upon us to prepare the way. Lord, give us your spirit. Let us hear your cry. Let us hear your call. And may we turn and be drawn to you. Lord God, in this Advent season, may we truly not just say the words, but begin to live that life, a life that spreads that peace as we prepare the way for your return. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.